Hello and welcome again. We're back with Andrew Hawksley and Mike Hawksley, and this is our stream of consciousness. We're excited to be back today. We we've got our next podcast episode up and going, and uh, we have a special guest today. We're we're uh, pleased to introduce my son and Andrew's brother, Justin Hawksley. Hello, Justin. Hello, family. How is everybody? I think we're all good. Well, we've got a, a number of interesting questions that we're going to hit you with today, but we're pretty informal and pretty free flowing and. And we'll just take it where she goes. Sounds great. Andy, do you, uh, you want to pose a question to your brother first or you want me to go? You should go. All right. Well, Justin, I, I want to pick up with a, uh, a question that Andrew and I were addressing the last podcast. And I want to hit you with this one. I've, I've actually want to hit you with two of them. The first right. one is, uh, do, you have a, do you have a hero? Who's your hero? That's a really good question. I would say there are, are fictional heroes that are going to be totally different than the non-fictional do we right. have a preference or, or or one of each well so we both for, did from, people yeah for andrew and i we we all had uh non-fictional people that that um they're not immediately in our lives but they're people that we know of all right <laughs> alive so, or dead. so we we're not gonna timeless. we're not gonna put any constraints on you you can go any direction you want with this make it more interesting all right, i'm i i off the top of my head you know big biggest changer of the world that that i now live in i want to say I want to say Julius Caesar, not that he's uh, you know necessarily always the hero of, of the story, right? But but I think the overarching, yeah, yeah, he's 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 a hero, and I think he's he's had a huge influence on the world I live in. Not necessarily my day to day life, though. Are okay, you, are you judging this based purely on influence or just like? Yeah, I, I think so. You know, and like abilities always change abilities. So he had a big impact on culture. But yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm, I'm, I'm coming from more than more than I, I think he's an awesome guy. I, I'd like to be like, if I could be like anybody, I want to be like, uh, I don't know, Warren Buffett's a cool guy. Yep. Warren Buffett's a good guy. All right. So that's uh, not exactly an answer I would have ever imagined what you'd come up with. Julie, Caesar. not a question that's I a, expected to be asked. <laughs> there you go. All right. So the other one, uh, you're one of the, the best traveled people I know. You, you travel more than anybody, I think, uh, in my sphere anyway. So here's a question that Andy and I talked about last time that I want to hit you with, and that is, tell me about the best vacation you've ever had. Ooh, I've had a lot of really, really good vacations. I know. It's down to Europe at like 30 or Africa at 14. There, there's just two super incredibly different trips. Tell me about that African safari. Hit me with that story. That that one that one might be my my favorite anyway. Uh but that was a really cool just, you know, kind of a family vacation of uh, you know, siblings and aunts and uncles and all all probably 18 of of extended family members all hopping in Toyota Highlanders that had had their roofs cut out and little pop-ups inserted. That we we started with one night in relative civilization, and actually had a hotel, and uh, you know that night went to dinner, and I had no idea what to expect really. You know, I think you go to Africa, it's not a oh the tickets to Nairobi are cheap this week. Let's let's hit it. So it was months of like going to get shots and visas and all that kind of thing. So you do all this prep and you get there and you have no idea what to expect. So the first night is like kind of, you know, like going to stay in the Smoky Mountains or something. 
And then the next morning we wake up and get in these land, you know, these Highlanders or land cruisers and realize like, oh, wow, we're going to live in SUVs for the next two weeks. So we're driving through the bush, uh, literally through the bush at Ngorongoro Crater and I get, you know, probably three or four national parks around Tanzania. And uh, the nights were all just spent in tents. You know, we would in the first, I think, you know, the first night we wake up, we hop in these cars and we drive for like eight hours and we get into the middle of this, this national park. It's, you know, enormous hundreds of square miles. And we get out into the middle of it and we roll into this canvas town that, you know, we had a, a crew, a ground crew would show up at before we would and would, would set up all of our two person kind of Civil War style canvas tents right. and then big pup, dining pup tents. Hall. Sleeping on the ground or on a cot? Uh, well, so uh, yeah, up in a cot and the kind of thing where I am calling this camping, but and, and tents and not the right language maybe to use. You know, we had showers in the morning. There was a, a, a back part of the tent that had, you know, a five gallon bucket kind of thing. They'd put <laughs> hot water in and shower in in the morning. So there is a word for this type of event. It's called glamping. So there is no such thing as glamour anything in the African bush. <laughs> You're right. But, you know, I, I think actually if you've ever read uh, The Snows of Mount Kilimanjaro or Hemingway and Gellhorn, uh, you know, the, the safari of the 50s, right. you, know, the, you know, that was kind of like luxury camping for that time period is uh, exactly what we were doing. It was terrific. Cool trip. Um, and- but I, I also have uh, probably one of the coolest things that I've ever seen happened on that trip, which makes it my favorite vacation. Uh, you know, so we're, we've got these tents in these national parks at night and we wake up in the middle of a national park. So, you know, you're at the perfect place to start an adventure to safari. So we would hop in back in the SUVs and drive around all day looking for different things to go look at. And uh, we all, you know, we probably had three or four of these, these cars. We would caravan around a little bit and then all split up. So when any time someone would see something really amazing, they'd call it out on the radio and not just our trucks would see it, but everybody out on safari. So there could be, you know, 15 to 30 to 50, depending on how cool the thing you just found is different SUVs that all just come from all directions. And, you know, they might all be a mile off, but people just kind of swarm. If you see like a leopard eating a wildebeest, it's, it's, it's really rare. So we ended up actually seeing uh, a, a probably eight or nine cubs. So it was like a whole pride's cubs that we're all eating a wildebeest in the middle of a field. And this field is probably you know, 300 yards in any side. And then there's a row of these acacia thorn trees. So they're, they're fairly low trees that are scraggly kind of branches. And there are these you know, maybe one, two inch long thorns on them. So um, there are not a whole lot of animals that are gonna hang out inside of a tree like that. But if they are, you can see them. So uh, we're not really paying a whole lot of attention, but our car is the first to see this. We get the closest to it. We actually kind of drive off the road and up right up to it. And we get close enough that it's, it's you know, kind of a once in a lifetime experience. So the driver is like, somebody get a camera and climb on top of the car. Like you need to get a really unobstructed, really clear view would be great. So we end up getting to do that. And uh, my brother and I both decide you know, neither of us are going to really, you know, be the one that we're going to argue for the rest of our lives. So we're both going, we'll just be as careful as we can. So we, so we need to, we need to say that you have two other brothers and a sister besides this side on my okay. side, you have Andy. So we're talking about the other brother, right? Andy is my only brother that is younger than me, but the, uh, the one I'm talking about is, is just a year or two older than me, depending on the time of year. 
So we're, we're both smaller, you know, we're, we're teenagers, we are older teenagers so we, we're like kind of rational about how we should be acting but still kind of small regardlessly so, easy prey for a lion yeah exactly <laughs> but also aware of that fact yeah you know not not young enough to be totally oblivious so we get up on top i've got a still camera and uh, dan has a video camera and we're getting amazing pictures of these like two three month old cubs like climbing inside of a wildebeest carcass with a couple of lionesses all standing around kind of watching them and our cousin Andrew, uh, and, and not necessarily your namesake, Andrew, but uh, a, a very, a very, very obstinate little little guy, but probably four <laughs> years younger than the rest of us, decided he was coming out too, but wasn't necessarily very careful. So he had uh, kind of made some some pops of the aluminum on the roof as he was climbing out, and it scared the lions. So all the cubs kind of perk up and stare at us and the two or three that are they're sitting right there kind of stare at us but then we start to notice that in all these acacia trees you know 300 yards away all perimeter all basically surrounding us there are lionesses that have like jumped down from all these trees that we had not seen and are beelining all towards us so you can't see them anymore you just see these like the grass parting oh like that part jurassic park too yeah, so yeah, we all scamper back inside the SUV back through the roof and nobody got hurt or anything like that. But watching, you know, several lions come at you with a vengeance because, you know, you're threatening their their, their whole pride's cubs. Right. That was an amazing experience. <laughs> so I, I think it's funny that you and I would stop on our trip and we'd have a bologna sandwich on the side of the road. The uh, the, the lion and her cubs, they stop on the side of the savannah and and have a, a, some some wildebeest for lunch. I like the difference in our trips, too. We were talking about, like, yeah, I saw, like, you know, there's a museum that was kind of cool, and he almost got gotten by a pack of lions. <laughs> so how often was, like, wildlife encounters like that in Africa? Uh, on that trip? Yeah. Um, constantly? I, I guess I would consider it, like, you know, if you walk through just the state park, you know, you, you walk to Red River Gorge or, or Natural Bridge, you know, you see squirrels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There's, you might see deer and that kind of thing. You're probably not going to see like a mountain lion, but they're there. This is the same kind of thing. You know, you're just walking through a national park and it's wildlife all around you all the time. It's just that there's a hundred times as many of them there as there would be in a national park here. Right. So you see the mountain lions. It's the super rare stuff that you'd, you'd never see in North America. Like yeah. a, I don't Condor. even know. Yeah, you know, like a golden eagle that's eating on a bald eagle. Yeah, that kind of thing (laughs) happens out somewhere, but you don't see it. If there's a thousand times as many of them, now that you got a better, and it's like an open area instead of like a forest. So we actually uh, give you an example, and it's it's scary because baboons are terrifyingly like you know they're they're the size of large dogs, underratedly terrifying. Yeah, they're dexterous and they've got three inch teeth, and holy crap. So our campsite at night would like every single night get pummeled by sausage fruit, like these big <laughs> foot long, two inch diameter green bean looking things. So they'd, they'd climb up into those trees if they were near us and just pitch them off onto the <laughs> roofs of our tents. This is fun for them. Yeah. Uh, but we, we set up camp next to a dry riverbed and we had a bunch of hippos kind of pile through the dry riverbed one night and wow. you could you know, you couldn't really feel them, but you could hear them like stomping around. I understand uh, those are pretty dangerous. Is, is 
but yeah, it was kind of constantly like, it was like regular camping out in the, out in the Rockies here, let's say. So your guide must've had a weapon. If, if something went wrong, they had so a way was, to protect everybody. That was actually a really kind of probably one of my, my favorite parts looking back on it was that, yeah, we, every night at camp, we would all have dinner and then sit around like a, a fire and chat. And there's a lot of us. And then anytime you time to trial off to go to bed, you know, not everybody goes to bed at the same time. So if it's just you walking off, you would end up needing a, an escort to mm-hmm. walk from the fire to your tent. You know, it might be a, a short distance even, but all of those escorts and all of the escorts throughout the day, you know, if we were going to stop for lunch in the middle of the Savannah, uh, are all Maasai warriors, which oh, cool. are an, an indigenous tribe and covers a lot of Tanzania. Um, so they actually don't really have anything to do economically yeah. these days. Uh, so when we actually, we went to an indigenous village and we went to go visit, we didn't pay a fee in any kind of currency, you know, dollars or there's anything. Right. Uh, we brought a goat with us that like we donated to the village as like a thank you for letting us come see. So these kinds of people, one of the best ways that the government can help and that they can kind of keep their culture alive and also share it in a big way right. is to be the only people allowed to be the escorts on these types of safaris. That's so cool. you're not allowed to have firearms in the national parks. So these Maasai warriors with a spear and bow and arrows are the ones escorting you and right. you can't help but learn about them a little bit. Yeah. I don't know if I'd trust a bow and arrow to a hippo though. Like I don't definitely. Oh yeah. Know. You can't trust a, a 30 out six to a hippo. Yeah. Right? Like I think, <laughs> but how many, how many Maasai warriors would there have been with spears that would, you know, if say a rogue hippo did come through camp, there were, there might be eight or 10 of these warriors. With you, which would and, not even be close to enough. That would, you know, <laughs> that would be not going to be a fair an fight. Apocalypse scenario that everybody runs to the vehicles. It was, yeah, it was nice knowing like, you guys. I guess it's more of a runaway thing than a, yeah. than a stand and this fight. Is, this is for like ambush predators. Oh, so like so, a, if a cheetah gets you. They well, can not even, yeah, cheetah would probably never even try it. It would, it would be more like, you know, trying to scare off a bigger, like a water buffalo or something. Yeah. Like let them know that you're there. Or an ambush predator like a lion or something might come after you. I, you know, I guess the, the cool part too is the Messiah, one of their, their their claims to fame is to become a man in the Messiah village. You've got to go, uh, well, it used to be hunt a lion, but I suppose these days you've got to physically touch one. Oh. Uh, but out, out in the wild, you've got right. to like persistence hunt a lion down and stab it to death. I had a physics teacher last year. He is from Kenya, and I love him to death, and he did that. He killed a lion. So he has a picture of himself in his in his physics classroom with him wearing the lion that he killed as a headdress. I got an A in that class too, so I was pretty proud of that one. Yeah, you know, he's not going to give it to you. That's the yeah. sure. <laughs> You're going to have to take it from him. So what's your uh, what's your favorite sport or physical activity to like stay in shape and stuff? Woo. Favorite physical activity to stay in shape lately has been scraping paint off of rocks. Uh, <laughs> what a great but, hobby. You know, I guess, I guess as far as one that I enjoy, definitely rock climbing. Mm-hmm. Uh, out here in Colorado, there's a lot of opportunities. Is there a difference in doing it and watching it? Like, is there a different sport that you enjoy watching more than watching people rock climb? Well, you know, t- to be honest, there's not a lot of ways to watch people rock climb on, on TV, at least. Yeah. Um, the Olympics and stuff means that it, it coming on is more and more hopefully going to get to be the answer that I get to give you for what I watch too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but watch, I'd say the cats, man. Uh, you know, the, the game 
last night necessarily. It wasn't one that was very exciting. But the EKU yeah. Colonels gave those Wildcats everything they could the handle. Best fight that yeah. they could put up. You know, if you if you gave if you if you gave them six points for every three, they might have won. So I want to say this: I I had an opportunity to interview Norb Elbert. Norb came up with this. You remember Norb? Got to be careful with your credits. I do remember Norb. So uh, the question was, uh, if you had a wish for EKU, what would that wish be? And Norb wished that EKU could be picked up and physically moved. Away from UK? Away from UK. Yeah, we're 25 <laughs> minutes south of UK, and we have a lot of overlap, too much overlap. And we, we sit in the shadow of University of Kentucky, and sometimes that makes it tough. We're, we're swimming in the same pool the looking paradigm. for new students. I think that's that's more to the heart of what he's saying there. Right. I don't think it's necessarily you can't physically move the campus. Oh, of so course I think not. You physically got to move the goal. I don't. I think you guys trying to compete in basketball is not the name of the game. No, definitely not. Definitely not. But it is in, interesting that since we're we're next door neighbors, that they get to play. I think that's you know from a there's not a rivalry. It's Eastern's a, a really big school, and I think it's it's problem in my opinion, and and it's not a good one because I don't see it a lot. Is that they don't necessarily take advantage of their strengths. I think there's a lot of opportunities that they can really use UK as a big brother that how much does EKU and UK communicate or cooperate on anything. Yeah. Um, but it does does UK have a phenomenal police training school? Or no, that's that's our shining star. They don't have a golf program either. That's that's unique to us. You golf the crap out of UK. So, you know, that that's where I think there's there's a lot of really kind of wasted opportunities for partnership. I think between two yeah. schools so close together, you you've got different strengths. You know, even if even if there's more breadth to UK, there's some really cool programs at right. Eastern that, you know, I I think it'd be really cool to have some some UK students have a little bit of access to somehow. Could be an interesting idea. Well, I've got a question. While we're talking about education, I want to I want to uh, discuss your career, the the field that you went into, your education prepared you for. Tell me, how well did your schooling prepare you for your career? <laughs> I, I think you are also specifically asking someone who is is uniquely uneducated for their position. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I designed an, an education path that I thought was going to help me tremendously pursue a career that I, you know, I'd, I'd wanted since I was a you know, young, definitely a pretty young kid. And uh, I think when I actually ended up getting through into the career and, and progressing pretty deep into it, I, I realized that, you know, I, I wish I'd have probably had some different majors. Uh, you know, I, I went into it and got, got an MBA. And as a, you know, if you, you call it a financial advisor, an investment advisor, you know, I, I thought, you know, maybe I'm, I'm going to be a small business owner as, as a practicing uh, advisor, or I'm, I'm going to want the ability to say, you know, hey, this company is doing this corporate action and my knowledge of corporate strategy and that kind of thing that, that an MBA affords you is going to help me see through what companies are going to do. And, you know, that's going to make me a better investor, uh, which, you know, may or may not be true depending on how you apply it. But I think at the end of the day, what I, I decided I wanted to go do is, is you know, be an investment advisor of, of one kind or another is very, very little of my day-to-day -day has anything to do with trying to predict a stock price or even really, you know, constructing portfolios is a, a little piece of what I do day-to-day. -day. But yeah, no, I, I think I, I got an education that I spent a lot of effort trying to tailor for my career, but I ultimately had no idea what I was going to need 
So that education, going back to uh, high school, what advice would you give to somebody to be successful afterwards? Like to a senior? I'd say, I'd say shadowing, you know, stuff like that. I, I think a lot of where I didn't go wrong necessarily with, with the path of education that I took. I think there's a lot that, that was kind of obvious, you know, had to learn time value of money if I want to do the, the work that I do right now. But I think I, I wish that I had followed around investment advisors a lot earlier and, and done it a lot more or, or just had more experience with what is that day to day. Because I think if I'd have seen that, I would have realized that psychology is, is probably every bit as important as math for, for what I actually do. Is that the biggest uh, the biggest difference between what you thought it was and what it actually turned out to be? Probably the the psychology part specifically is, you know, my my. 80% of my day is probably driving. So, you know, had I, had I known the best thing in high school, I would have been a really good driver, but no, I, I think from uh from a, what's most impactful that I do today that I didn't expect is, is the, you know, the kind of the emotional intelligence side of what I help people do. Right. Kind of guiding them to their, their life choices. Well, or, uh, you know, I guess the, the, the way a lot of people can really easily think about it is if you if you want to get really thin, we'll make that you want to get wealthier. A goal. Sure. You know, if, if, if you want to get thin, then it's just a really simple matter of eat less and exercise more. It's two really easy steps that how could you mess that up? But if you think about, you know, the emotional side of the actual choice of changing a behavior and actually being intentional about a step taken towards a goal, right? I think that's that's not something that you can even use your own personal logic necessarily every time to get across to. I think sometimes it takes having someone objective to say, no, you're not doing it right. And this is how you need to change and hold you accountable to it. Uh, so in the same way, you know, I, I do the same thing for, you know, your your financial situation or your wealth in helping make behavior change, you know, be the, the impactful force behind a, being in a better financial situation. Cause at the end of the day, it's not just, you know, you, you need to know the stock market. Otherwise you're never going to be a rich guy. And I think it's really, you, you need to make a really hard choices about controlling spending. And, and then there are a few pieces of information that's helpful to have, but that's not the stuff that really makes a difference. So I think there's there's some uh, interesting things going on in society today, and something you said triggered this thought in my mind. I'm excited in the near future to see self-driving cars, and by extension, the self-driving RV, that when you want to go on a trip, it won't be through a, an airplane, through an airport. It'll be through your RV. You'll get in the RV at night, program it, and in the morning, you'll wake up at your destination. So as that's one one thing that's going to happen in society one day, eventually, uh, I want to I want to approach that concept this way. I want to, I want to ask you thinking about a topic or, or something that's going on in society today. Tell me something that that's going on now that you believe a brand new business major just graduating could have a, have an impact on. That's a, a really good question. And I think in, in terms of, you know, what, what big macro trends are out there, you know, I, I think there are there is stuff that has been talked about for 30 years that I think today is is probably one of the first crop of business majors that are actually going to get to to deal with on a commercial scale. Would you know things like, like what you said, self-driving cars, and you know, artificial intelligence is a huge word, but heuristic data mining uh, specifically. 
And I guess blockchain is, you know, interesting in its own right. I think if it's not necessarily today used for what it could be. Well, so digital uh, currency the, and specifically blockchain separately no, 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 or, or I, I as associated with digital currency? Well, so separating it from digital currency, blockchain is not necessarily a currency technology. Right. Um, it's a database so distrib- technology. Distributed ledger technology, mm-hmm. call it that. And I think that's pretty interesting and has a lot of application in not just, definitely not just, you know, cryptography or, or just in, in making a currency, but definitely in corporate finance of all different kinds and inventory management. And I, I think in, in a lot of ways, one of our, our biggest issues, we've also had some, some chats about today is, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're as polarized as a society as we are right now, a lot of that's caused by the, the quickness of information. And some of the, the downside of quickness of information is the, the veracity and accuracy that you've lost. So I think something like blockchain is a way that you can just kind of create inherent validity. So, you know, I, I, I think that's a, a kind of a crazy concept to try to apply to. Let's make sure that things are factual on the Internet. But, you know, that's sort of what blockchain is trying to do or distributed ledger is to have some easy way to fact check information that we all depend on. So I think that could be a really, really interesting esoteric you know, kind of future trend going right. on. But I think more specifically would be things like probably heuristic data mining, VR, and yeah, you know, I guess to an extent, even even kind of the outcomes of AI, like like self-driving cars, I think mm-hmm. is something that a business major could, could really try to leverage in, in a few ways. There's a lot of science in that, and the application of that science to a problem, that becomes a business angle. But you, you mentioned uh, data mining, and I think business analytics and the ability to, to find answers in huge volumes of data uh, becomes uh, more and more important as companies need to become more and more nimble. They need to be able to make faster decisions to stay uh, on top of market changes. So I think business analytics, I think, is is uh, up and coming you know, alongside maybe uh, supply chain management. That's that's an area that uh, integrates very nicely with, with some business analytics. I, uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I like, I loved learning supply chain management, but I, I kind of think that was a, that was a tech, an emergent technology of the nineties that created a, such a globalized world in the two thousands that, you know, I, I, I don't want to say as necessarily matured. I think as our, our business analytics get better, we'll, we'll be able to do supply chain management even better. But I, I would actually kind of posit that the, some of the biggest changes in the, in the next 10, 20 years is going to be more on the disruption side of what those analytics do. It's finding the pattern we haven't seen before to offer to sell this thing at this place like we've never thought of before. We're going to change the world. New products, new markets, new ways to to make the two together. So I I think something like data mining just gives you, it's the keys to finding those situations. Right. And and I think it's... uh, Something like self-driving cars is maybe a really big one, but just an effect of a disruption that creates an economic opportunity. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, it's the it's the business major that has trained themselves to find the next version of that by using tools that business analytics gives them. You know, to find that next trend. I think that's that's probably it. Not necessarily training yourself for the the current best trend, but training yourself to keep on top of what is the the evolving trend. Right. The uh, having the habit of, of being a lifelong learner and being uh, 
wicked fast at adapting to change and, and taking advantage of new opportunities. How would you describe what you do, like your job? Um, I am a personal CFO. What does CFO stand for? Chief Financial Officer. Oh, okay. So, you know, I, I guess I might as well just explain that a little better is what I do rather. But uh, the reason I, I guess I call myself a, a personal CFO is, is because there's not any kind of one thing that I would say, you know, one thing I bring value with mm-hmm. is easily explainable. Uh, it's more like I'm the guy that you call if it's got anything to do with money or you're, you're not sure, you know, if, if that's the case, you want one person that you call that's going to crunch the numbers and just kind of tell you whether what you're thinking is possible or how close to it can you get and, and stuff like that. That's sort of what I do for families as opposed mm-hmm. to the CFO doing it for a company. So a lot of my job is at, you know, every family's situation is really, really different. You know, I, I think if you've got rental properties and a W-2 income, you know, that's that's not a crazy non-standard situation. Right. But the way that you construct your finances, the way you file your taxes, the, the way you might even just look for an attorney are probably going to be a lot different than if you've got a small business and that's the only source of income that you've got. It's the only asset you, you might have. You know, you might even be looking for a really different specialist for an estate attorney. Uh, so at the end of the day, my job is to be sort of the quarterback of a team of any financial professional you're going to use. Yeah. So that would include CPAs and lawyers. Uh, oh, absolutely. Those are probably the two biggest, you know, used members of my team. Uh, but it also comes down to healthcare specialists. You know, we need to make sure we know somebody that knows the networks and knows the networks per what kind of conditions you might have so that if we need to go shop for an insurance policy, They've got a specialist that, I, you know, I don't need to, I need to know the basics of, of how health insurance works and, and how that might fit into the bigger picture. Right. But I want to have a specialist. So we've got that for disability, for property and casualty insurance, for life, for, you know, for, for really anything that I could kind of come down to a mortgage brokering and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's nice to have all of those. You're going to use those professionals is always going to be a good idea, but it's really nice to have one professional that knows exactly how to communicate with those folks, exactly what to ask out of them, what prices they should be quoting. You know, so I, I get to sort of be a, a general contractor with a whole lot of subcontractors um, where you, the homeowner doesn't necessarily need to know what the electrician's doing as long as the general contractor knows what the whole picture is supposed to be. Like a financial therapist is what you did pretty much. You know, I'd say that's one of the hats that I wear. (laughs) Uh, You know, I think in in a lot of ways, if you want to make a bad trading decision, it's my job (laughs) to explain why it's a bad idea. But at the end of the day, you're, you're the CEO and I'm the CFO. So I can tell you it's a bad idea. And then I have to help you execute that bad idea. Yeah. Then my bad idea then becomes your bad idea because you were right alongside the whole time. So that's that's I think maybe where it's a little different from a CFO. You you know I think if if you advise the right decision and the board of directors and the CEO make the wrong call and go buy that really expensive house that they can't afford on their budget, you know they they at the end of the day get to hold the CFO responsible to the shareholders and the CFO gets the axe. I on the other hand I get to document a lot. And I will, I'll pull my notes back up and tell you what kind of sandwich you were eating when I told you not to buy that house. So I think one of the, one of the takeaways from this is, um, listen to Justin, listen. Well, definitely when you have financial needs, yeah, you want to definitely take Justin's advice. 
but the uh, in preparing for that career, you don't necessarily need to have the 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 MBA and the finance background. You need to have a liberal arts background. You have to be a solid thinker. You have to know how to communicate. I, communication. I'll, I'll put that up at the very near top. You have to know how to ask questions and intelligent questions, and you have to uh, sit quietly while you hear uh, rambling answers sometimes, and you have to be able to make <laughs> sense of it and guide them through their thought process. Well, I think a, a big one too is is if you can't empathize with people, if, if I have no idea what makes you want to go buy that overly expensive house, I'm never going to do a good job trying to convince you not to go buy it. Mm-hmm. I think communication is the most universal degree that could help you with anything. Right, yeah. right. Well, so uh, liberal arts, uh, of course, learning how to communicate and learning how to think and learning how to uh, communicate in written form and, and spoken word. So yeah, communication takes all different kinds of forms. Anything from a 60-second elevator speech to uh, to a, a presentation in front of an audience of 300 people to sitting across Half the time. table from a from one client. Well, and and you know, I think I think it really goes. I, I used the word psychology for a reason instead of communication, and it it, it kind of comes down to uh, also recognizing that you're not always the same person every day. So if I've got one client that's a, a really, really strong, driven personality that never listens to me, that I've kind of got to yell at and be high energy and rational fact-based to, to get to do anything I want, you know, if, if he loses his mom and we're having a meeting about how to handle her estate and, and his inheritance of it and things like that, chances are me being argumentative and loud and exuberant and, and high energy and fact-based is the last thing that's going to let him listen to me. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of it too is just being able to empathize with where that the, that individual is right now and, and kind of what led them to be there, to be able to tailor your recommendations or your communication to them. And I think in, in a way that's that's got a lot more to do with psychology than just the communication the accuracy or, or quality of your written or verbal communication. Right. Good answer. All right, so let's move away from your career. Let's move away from finance and education. Finally. So oh, I, I do. I've got lots to talk about, but I have to do that every day. So Yeah, right. So I want to hit you with uh, with an off the wall. Tell me what's your go-to restaurant when you want dinner and what's your go-to order at that restaurant? Oof. So I've, I've got the answer I want to give and the answer I have to give. Uh, so Rosie's Diner and French Toast, no matter what time nice. of day or day of the week, that hard, is what I want to go have and will likely go get. It's hard to go wrong with what I would call breakfast. I think French toast belongs squarely in the breakfast category. Uh, I, it's on the brunch menu there, which yep. means that it now applies to past noon. Right. And as long as I'm allowed to eat it past noon, I'm happy to eat it at 8 or 9 p.m. Oh, Rosie's Diner. There <laughs> Technically you go. past noon still. So I will say, though, I, I think uh, it's it's that it's just a place that I, I can't go to every day. It would get too old or you know I wouldn't be able to handle it, but. There's a, a place I, I brought you to, Pop. Uh, it's it's a mile away or off the house. I, I could walk to if I had to. Uh, Cafe Propica is a, a little hole-in-the-wall uh, Moroccan place that has some of the best honeyed couscous you've ever had. I enjoyed the Moroccan <laughs> dinner very much. That was a delicious dinner. I, I just don't know that I could have Moroccan food every night, whereas French Moroccans, toast is Moroccans I could have do. every night. <laughs> they eat it every night, and they don't get tired of it. Andrew, what's they your go-to call meal? They food. They just call it food. If, if Andrew's going out for dinner, what's your number one thing you want to go get? Oh, like a salad. It's the only food I don't feel bad for eating. Like, afterwards, jeez, oh, like, why did I do that? Yeah. So, like, 
just think about the the excess water use used in growing that lettuce though how can yeah. you feel how can you sleep at night andy yeah but it doesn't put a lot of fat and carbs in me that i'm not gonna use i'm just strictly... so you're only concerned about yourself yes not the, that's... not the world that's what i was just about to say actually <laughs> we got enough water what is it 70 percent water the planet is like got plenty of water you don't have to do you have to water plants with Fresh water? Can you water a plant with salt water? Uh, Gatorade. It depends it's the on best the thing you can put on plants <laughs> is Gatorade. Any freeze well, is up there. You make a good point, though, with the 70% water. I was also thinking, like, aren't we, like, 70% water? Yeah. But plants need electrolytes. there's some sort of correlation there? They're like, our planet's 70-80% water, so, like, the dominant species ended up being 70-80% water? That's not by we accident. Did, we didn't get here from our intelligence. We got here from water composition. Yeah, that's what if I did you look it. at a mouse, there's only 55% water. Which, <laughs> that's why know, he's down there in the bottom of the food chain. Can we, can we get somebody to fact check me on that <laughs> one? <laughs> 65% of statistics are made up right off the top of people's heads. I thought that was 83%. Uh, I, heard that, I saw that on TV. New I heard, data. I heard 95. The very newest data. Exactly. New study from Stanford came out. <laughs> That's the great thing too. If you if you just associate some credibility, with now the, we've won the argument. Like yeah. Stanford yeah. said it's ninety nine percent. So oh. yeah. well, the Harvard said ninety five. As unreasonable as that sounds, it must be correct. Yeah, just because it's unreasonable doesn't mean it's not true. I think we see that all around the world every day. Yeah. Hit me with a movie, Justin. You seen any movies lately? Uh, I haven't. I'm in, I'm a little embarrassed to say it. I don't know why. It's it's nerd shaming. Um, but no, I haven't watched any movies in in a couple of weeks because I have just been binging on Star Trek. Uh, uh, and there, there is enough Star Trek Next Generation in the world that you you can really just run on that for quite a while. Like three months, if you really had um, to. Not that far. Uh, you know, maybe maybe the last three weeks. So you're in the but Next Generation. Still an, that, an epic that, long time. I, I'm not sure. Is that the second? Or third in the series, so second. it is. It is technically the second. There's the the, the original, original series, William you know, is like the sixties, seventies, and then Next Generation came on in the late eighties through the mid nineties. And then while that was on, uh, Deep Space Nine came on in mm-hmm. the nineties, okay. and then in the mid nineties you got Voyager, uh, and Voyager lasted up through the end of the nineties, and then you didn't get anything until like two thousand four to six or so when you got Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't That's, think we got anything after like four years of that until uh, Discovery just came on a couple years ago. Enterprise, is that the one that's the prequel? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's from like the, the 2100s. Kind of kind of a cool idea. Yeah. It that's, would be the time period before William Shatner's original Star Trek. Yeah. So, so it's like a, a hundred years before William Shatner and which was a hundred years or so before Next Generation. Right. And Enterprise is about a hundred years in the future. So you're binging hard on Star Trek. Yeah, that I means... also just have one of those memories that, like, once I hear that cool, like, world-building sort of the the lore of the world, it's just stuck in my brain, like DC or Marvel. Oh. So Why don't you know what? You asked about a movie though, and I gave you Star Trek. So <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll I'm gonna back up, and I want to say I have uh, I've, I've got a few new movies from the '90s that have been kind of binging. So I want to say something like some mysteries, like L.A. Confidential or something like that. It's probably what I'm thinking right now is or, or something spacey, which is a completely separate. <laughs> Two very different genres. Have you seen the Star Trek movies? I have. Like, like uh, all of I, them? Um, 
I want to say yes. I know I must have. <laughs> like 11 of them or whatever there I, is? I, I didn't. Well, yeah, like the old school ones, I'm not even sure. I don't think I've seen like any of the Shatner ones. Oh. Uh, but like the new ones with Chris Pine. Oh, yeah, I, I love I'm sure them. I've seen them all, but I didn't love them enough that I like can't tell you the what? plot of all of them. I love the first one. The first one's awesome. Well, which is where there was like, that was the, the ship from the future slash came to the past and yeah, attacking things and, and yeah. Kirk was brand new. There's yeah, old and new stock. I don't know either of the other plot lines though. One of them, Benedict Cumberbatch's con and stuff happens, and I forgot everything else, and I didn't see is, the other. Is Khan like a superhuman eugenics guy still? I think so. Okay, but he's I, like I, young I, this time instead of being mad old. I like. Rem- I remember I, him being in one of the movies, and there was like a scene where they get the the Enterprise to like ride on a space wave of explosions. Yeah, that was in the first. That was in Star Trek Nine. I think it's Nine. I don't know. It's the one where they the, the they, first Chris Pine one. Yeah, they blow up the Romulan ship. See, and this it, is how this is how well I know this. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, when I was growing up, I had the luxury of having a brother who was a wrestler in high school, and when he would come home, he would, uh, against my will, he would show me everything he learned that day. Uh, so I had wrestling experience kind of secondhand, and I know was Justin. This, was that, this Chris or David? Exactly. Yes, it was Chris. <laughs> It was, Chris, oh, I thought there was going to be just yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My favorite way to answer yes, like pick one questions. Yes. Yeah. So Justin, was, was I know you have some experience. Yes. Uh, some of your some of your buds in in uh, university were were uh, college wrestlers. All of them, yeah. And oh, wow. what would you say about a, a high school student who wanted to get into wrestling? There's better choices that you've made. <laughs> <laughs> I say it's a great way to get beat up on purpose. Well, you know, I, I think. Are we talking to someone thinking about how wrestling might prepare them, or are we thinking about a, a, a wrestler that's thinking about how that has prepared them? So what, I'm going to redirect that question over to Andy. Andy, take that, answer that question. Yeah, I've been thinking about joining wrestling just because football just ended. Our last game was yesterday. Last night, yeah. Yeah, and I don't really want to go Did into you win. No. All right, we'll we'll drop that first round. Of, first round of playoffs, <laughs> not not that great. Not that great of a season. It's been a tough year. Yeah. But there's always not, next year. Yeah, uh, no, not, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to give that. Day. Ran out of ran out of next year's. But uh, I'm not ready to go home and do nothing yet. Like I kind of keep wanting to have an excuse to get in shape without me doing it to myself. But as much as I like that, I want to keep the regimen that somebody else has. So I want to try out wrestling. It's something that I've always, I've recently started to like a lot more. Is like wrestling and like martial arts and stuff. Wrestling's a martial art, right? Yeah, it's close enough. I, I would say, I'd say yeah. of a sorts, yes. Yeah, I'd say. Oh, it's definitely a martial art, but it's yeah. you know, just not necessarily about inflicting pain. Yeah. I've just wanted to give it a try to to see if I like it. No, Senior I know, year, and, like, and what my, the heck? My first answer, for granted, you know, I, I don't think it's a, a bad idea at all. You know, I, I think there are... There are a lot of things that wrestling might be able to prepare you for that other sports wouldn't, and there are things other sports would prepare you for that, that you know you wouldn't. But if, if what you're really looking for is something to keep you in shape and engage your mind and build some grit and that kind of stuff, yeah, wrestling's a terrific option. I've, I wanted to try out a uh, individual sport because a team sport I found is not my shtees. I like uh, relying on ten other people to do their job perfectly, and if I like. If they mess up, then it makes me look bad as well. Kind of, I want to put all the 
all of it on myself and see how well I as an individual could perform. I think that's a really a really good point, but I also think you should flip the script on it a little bit that I, I'm the same way where to this day, I actually had a, I had a, a, a chat with my boss about, yeah, so you really like you've got a team. This person is here to handle this part. So like you need to have them do it. You're yep. using a lot of time. <laughs> do the delegated like, manage it. thing. So, so yeah, it's like you need to be the manager of this team and delegate this and not just hold all of it all the time. And I felt, you know, like my palms got sweaty in that meeting where like I started feeling weird and anxious about like, no, I like having that. I feel weird <laughs> about giving control of that aspect up right. because I feel like it's a big component of the whole and I want to make sure it's done right. Yeah. So I think one of the big things that I wish I would have focused a little more on was being able to feel comfortable with that. Yeah, your so confidence in, in your ways, teammates. Right. I think in a lot of ways having a team sport forces you to live through some of those bad experiences and understand that, well, you know, while you don't have the responsibility, you don't also have the influence over the result. Yeah. So in some, some ways you need to focus on some different things in those situations. And I think there's enough situations in life that you can't pick the, the self sport rather than the team sport. Mm -hmm. You just need to get good at that. And I never really did, but I chose uh, similarly to you. I, I was kind of thinking a, I switched out of soccer in high school into tennis because it was something that I had complete control over. And I, I played on a soccer team like my whole life that was, we were, we were undefeated like a few different seasons and it was, mm -hmm. it's an AAU league. So it's the same kids every year. And I moved to Michigan and joined like the high school team that was terrible. And all of a sudden it was just like such a difference that it broke my will to play the game. And I think I blamed a lot of it on, I don't have control over what the forwards are doing. If I'm a fullback, I can make sure we get scored on as little as possible, but I can't make sure we score. So that ended up made me want to look for an individual sport, and I picked tennis. But tennis is a little is definitely on the other side from from wrestling, where wrestling is training kind of your twitch muscles and your twitch mind. Mm -hmm. um, every scenario you get in while you're wrestling is similar to other scenarios you've been in, but it's just about thinking really quickly and having that as good a move as you can where I think in tennis it's like 80% of my whole game was let's do this exact same repetition move for a serve and if I do this serve perfectly the point's made and I'm, I'm done yeah they can't so I, I'd look at it like if you want to do a self-sport what are you looking what what kind of thing do you want to develop yeah what skill set do you want to build on what strengths do you want to have coming out of it but I think this I think we just really fell into this we fell into this yeah. very interesting parallel between what you've gone through with, with uh, soccer and tennis and, and what Andy's coming through just now, brand new coming out of football and yeah. moving into something. We won uh, we won region championships last year for the first – well, to, for what you said with the – you had a great soccer team and then a not-so-great soccer team is that I just came out of the first region championships in school history straight into a 1-9 and nine season with a first-round exit from the playoffs. Like – a whole bunch of seniors graduated last year out of. Andrews I was just going to say, do you lose a bunch? Of, you lose uh, a quarterback uh, and a bunch of receivers. Yeah, twenty-eight seniors, starting quarterback, starting, starting entire defense, pretty much. Nobody starting special teams, offense, defense, all gutted. A new coach or two, two new coaches. Not, and not then, the uh, head coach. Head no. coach carried over. Yeah, wider. I mean, DBs and a new outside linebackers coach, and the difference was there, but it wasn't enough to make me want to like quit football. Like, I wish I could still do it, 
But I think it's just ready to try to put more responsibility directly on myself. All right. Well, I'm going to hit you with a uh, the last question we're going to give you. It's going to be a softball. One superpower. What is it? What do you do with it? All right. How how wide ranging are these powers? Any. Universal. Any. Yeah. I want to be a reality warper, and I would do <laughs> oh, everything. Okay. Well, one specific like. You've given yourself the one that. power that gives you well, all that's, powers. That's what I mean. You know, yeah. like if you're saying like there's no range of powers, then reality warping is kind of one one big power. Let's I think say if, like if you say I get time control. All right, we need to put a lot I can do. With it. We need some boundaries. Quick, Andrew, come up with a boundary. Like one of like a like an ability. So like you can either increase something that you already have, like super strength or something like that, or give yourself one thing. Okay. I want it's molecule man's power. But it's I want to be able to control the bonds between molecules. Yeah. Hmm. And what would you so do? So you with could that? like. That's that's a, another cheating answer because there's like you could do anything. Things I could do. I <laughs> yeah. can change densities of one element. Yeah, you could kitty pride yourself through walls, or you could just make somebody really heavy and they. Just, all right, so <laughs> so scrap all these like, answers. Can you quit cheating powerful. and just. Let's, yeah, let's go Molly with Man's like the fourth most powerful character in all of the, uh, the Marvel, like all of six, one, six. Let's, let's go with this. Let's go with maxing out one capability you already have. Mm. Mm. Like a thing a normal human could do, but you're just really you're the good best at, at it. it. All right. I'm going to be, I'm going to be Jordy from space uh, from some star, star Trek. And I'm going to be able to see the entire electromagnetic spectrum and not just visible light. Oh, that would suck, dude. <laughs> Like, <laughs> oh, I've got control over it. Oh, you got okay. Oh, you okay. can control it too. Okay. Just like if you just see everything all the time, you're like, ah, and you just, I don't know, you can know. squint. <laughs> it's a hot day. I got sunglasses for each spectrum, you know, so but that gives me that gives me like gamma ray vision and x ray vision mm-hmm. all the way to like, like, like ultraviolet and stuff like that. Microwaves so the whole world would, look... would be way more beautiful. Yeah, and there's a bunch of stuff I could see through. You oh, go. you could see a rate, you could see a radio wave, like, yeah, going. Oh, that'd be rad, actually. I mean, well, mine's just like being see, real strong. And and if a radio wave can go through the wall of your house, you know, you can see what that radio wave bounces off of. Yeah. Not, so, yeah, I think that, that gives you the ability to, to you know, if you, if you switch between gamma and x-ray, you can get, like, resolution of stuff. It's a lot more complicated than mine of just, like, wanting to be real strong. All right, well, so I'll, I'll I guess, one of, one of my questions then, we'll, we'll keep in the superhero thread. I have the ability to change my molecules. You know, they're the, the mm-hmm. bonds between them. You have the ability to, to sense thoughts. We are in a, a basketball-sized arena with a 20-foot wall right down the center with me on one side and you on the other. Mm-hmm. That's how we start. We're, you know, let's say 30 feet from each other. Who wins? Uh, a, a battle to the death we're both bloodlusted <laughs> oh the molecule guy i think so because sure yeah. like sure the thought guy could like see where it's I can't coming see you at the start and i don't have any way to sense you yeah but the molecule guy has no no the molecule guy has all offense well so you've got great offense too you don't need to see me you can kind of reach out and crush my willpower right off the, the oh, bat can so. you can you like manipulate thoughts or just like see him i thought you could detect well, I guess that's like that's why this is supposed to be a fun question. We get to we got to debate it and decide. So is the it like either way? Is it like the first level spell detect thoughts in D and D where you can just like tell where people are and what am I doing here? 
So I, I guess it depends on, you know, what, what level your abilities are at total. So if, if you've got like Xavier level or Phoenix force level mm-hmm. telepathy, then you're then winning. There's, yeah, you could cave my skull in. You don't even need to change my thoughts. Yeah, you just make him think real big. and it's. Just... But then again, if I've got the, the ability to change molecular bonds, I could basically evaporate everything within a mile at the in the first millisecond. Yeah, like if it's just the detect thoughts when you know where he is, but that wall is gone in a second, and then you're gone in the next second. I don't know. This is uh, it's my favorite subreddit is who would win. <laughs> Oh, wait, 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 wait. Who would win? Grizzly bear or gorilla? Ooh, so that's a very heavily debated one. And I, know I think it is. everybody that says gorilla is crazy. Oh! Yep, I said gorilla. <laughs> I'm the crazy I said, one. I said grizzly I bear. Crazy. I think, yeah. I think you haven't seen a grizzly bear close enough. I think I think you, you start multiplying the gorillas, you know, two, three of them. I think that bear's in trouble. You get you get one gorilla per arm, and I think that's a match. I think it's I think it's two gorillas and then the grizzly bear's done. I, you know, even then, no, because I, I think you need one gorilla for each arm and then one to do the fighting. Because, you yeah. know, that, that bear has like, you know, five little swords on its hands. Yeah, that's what it came down to for me is more efficient weapons, more defensive capability. They got some, they got grabbing ability too. I, yeah. I think they would just crush. They'd I think they would that. stomp on and just like a, have you ever seen like a big dog messing with a little dog? They yeah. They don't like bite at it, they just stomp they on it. They kind of do that thing where they straighten their legs out and they're like, wham! That was the point yeah. we made last time was that that you get the very best hug of your entire life. Yeah, the last one too. <laughs> the bear. Hug. I don't know. You, you ever seen the Revenant? Yeah. Yeah. That oh, dude yeah. got lucky. You can survive That's... a good bear hug if you're you're gritty enough. Yeah, if you're just enough of a man. John Stamos could probably take a bear hug. <laughs> right, Justin, I've got to wrap it up here. I've I've enjoyed speaking to you. I've enjoyed having a, a, a wonderful Saturday afternoon with my son. I don't get to see nearly often enough. We ran out of studio time. Yep. <laughs> we got to wrap it up. we got uh, the next podcasters coming in here. Well, it's been a pleasure being on. I, it was a fun chat, and I think you guys have, have got a really kind of fun premise here. Yep. yep. We're having a good time. Maybe next time we'll talk less about work stuff, more about fun stuff like bears and gorillas and superheroes. I think I can line up a good who would who would win script here. Oh, like a, like a whole bunch, like a gauntlet that we run through. Well, so there are also some of my favorite versions of like, you know, kind of coming through this stuff isn't, you know, gorilla versus bear. It's more like, you know, a pack of, of 10 modern humans that all speak different <laughs> languages are plopped in a jungle. There's another 10 prehistoric humans plopped a mile away. They have a year to prepare. Who wins? <laughs> well, that reminds me of the, the Roman legionaries. There's a, a battalion of Marines dropped into Roman times. Yeah, that, that was out of Reddit. Sold Time Warner about the movie rights to that. And then Rome, never, Sweet Rome. Then never did anything with it. Well, it's a genius story, and it's I think really like cool the, the five or six chapters that got written and published to Reddit were phenomenal. Right. I, you know, I, I think that was one of the things I first showed you on Reddit was like, hey. Yeah, yeah. That was early on. And this I think it's a great premise, and, and I wish some studio would have picked it up and run with it because yeah. that's a movie I'd love to see. That would be a fun movie. All right, Justin. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for having me. Thanks. Thank Take you for care. Coming. Been a great podcast. I've enjoyed sharing time with you today too. Hopefully, anything, great podcast. Anything else uh, going on with you today? Not really. Had enough. Well, yeah. you're you're done with football. Ready to refocus all your what your energies that would have been football into something new, and maybe it'll be wrestling. Maybe you'll find something else. We talked mm-hmm. about maybe um, a gym membership and maybe some MMA training, and yeah, that could be an interesting thing. So, mm-hmm. so we'll see where that goes. Time will tell. All right, everyone, thanks for your time, and it's been our pleasure, and we look forward to seeing you in our next podcast.